Koppel, host of the Time for Coffee podcast, where you get firsthand career advice into the jobs and industries that interest you the most. And before we start today's show, I have a quick favor to ask you. If you haven't already, I'd be incredibly grateful if you give us a rating and a review on iTunes. And if you're like me, you need to do it now because you'll forget later and because it's the best way to help others who may be in search of career advice to find this free resource. So press pause if you haven't done it and do it right now. I'll wait. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Java junkies, welcome back to another Espresso Shots episode of Time for Coffee. I am so glad you're along for the ride. And if you're interested in breaking into digital media, you will be too. I'm not talking about the journalism side, but on the business and management side of the house, then this is the episode for you. Because my next guest logged 13 years as the president and general manager of the Washington Post, leading the transformation of that company from a print-centric business model to a digital powerhouse. But before I introduce you to Stephen Hills, I want to make sure you've signed up for the Java Junkies Journal. That's time for Coffee's weekly newsletter, and it comes out bright and early on Monday mornings, and it has unique insights into dozens of different industries from the professionals who are actually working in them. Just head over to the Time for Coffee website at time, the number four, coffee.org, and the sign-up box is right there. Now, my Java lovers, please grab your mug and take a chug of your favorite caffeinated brew, because it's time for another caffeinated career conversation. And my guest is Stephen Hills, the CEO and founder of Hillscape Consulting, a consulting firm specializing in helping firms and senior executives increase effectiveness while creating work-life balance. However, the majority of Steve's professional life, as in almost 30 years of it, was spent at the Washington Post Company, including the last 13 of those 30 years as president and general manager. During his tenure at the helm, Steve was credited with helping to lead the transformation of the Post into a top digital media company, growing traffic and engagement by more than 200% over three years through innovative leadership of technology journalism. That culminated in Fast Company magazine giving the Post an award for most innovative media company in the world in 2015. Steve also created the business case that convinced Post ownership to sell the Post to Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. After leaving the Post, Steve became the founding director of the Georgetown University Law Center's business program, where he's created a curriculum and is leading the development of courses to teach law students the fundamentals of business. And he's also the chairman of the board of the Maryland, D.C. chapter of the Nature Conservancy. Steve, welcome to Time for Coffee. Are you caffeinated and ready to go? I am perpetually caffeinated, Andrea. It's a pleasure to be here. You would need to be perpetually caffeinated. I don't know where you find the time in the day to get everything done. 
Are you super organized? You know, I, I am somewhat organized. I think my wife would probably say I'm super organized. Yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little bit driven. I'm sort of California driven, I guess. <laughs> hey, I like that combination, though. So laid back, yet focused and organized. Laid back on the surface and maybe a little more driven underneath that, that I, you know, that I let on. Yeah, you seem like a pretty laid back guy on the surface. But to have accomplished everything you've accomplished, you have to be driven. So let's dive into our 10 espresso shots, which we are framing around digital media, breaking into digital media, not as a journalist, but on the business management side of the house. The first espresso shot, Steve, is what entry-level jobs are available to young people who want to break into this field? Sure. I think there are a couple ways to go. So sales, I'm a big proponent of people with sales experience because I think that anytime you, you understand what customers need in any business, that's a great place to start. So you can sell advertising is the, is the usual way to get into digital media. That's a great way to go. I think analytics, if you have that skill set, is the huge wave of the future. There's so many applications of different kinds of analytics that I think that if you have that ability, that's another great way. Those are probably my the two preferred ways to get into the business. And actually, you got into it at the post through the advertising, the sales, excuse me, the sales side of the house. I did. I did. And so I had a little bit of both. The sales and the analytics had gone to business school. So, But sales is definitely was a key piece of what I brought to the party. Fantastic. So what is a useful hard and soft skill, Steve, that you look for in the young people that you hire? Yeah, I think you know, the hard skill, I think analytics is, is helpful. And I think conceptual ability, ability to solve problems. So ability to try to, you know, to look at a situation and say, what's a practical, easy way to get to the end? And that includes also some soft skills as well, resourcefulness and stick to I mean, one thing is, you know, have people actually done something and seen it to the end at times through very challenging times? Because most problems that, you know, you want to pay people to solve, you want to have a team full of people who can solve are complicated and require, you know, not just good problem solving ability, but the ability to sort of try a bunch of things and find out what works. So, you know, success tends to be a good predictor, past success tends to be a good predictor of future success. And a lot of that comes from a combination of natural problem-solving ability and ability to work something to ground, to just try a lot of things. Fantastic. What about someone's major? Is it a deciding factor to get into the business side of digital media? In other words, if they haven't studied business... If they haven't studied, I don't know, data science, whatever, is it a deal breaker? Well, since I was a philosophy major, I hope not, because um, obviously it was not a determining factor in my case. I'm actually a big believer in liberal arts and in in people taking a broader view. I sometimes undergraduate business major, I I view that not necessarily as a, it's not a negative, but but I don't view it as a real positive. I think that graduate, we will talk about graduate degrees, which I, I think is separate depends on the level of job you're looking for. But I think that you no know, demonstrated ability, it can happen even with a different kind. You can be a Russian studies major and have a demonstrated ability to do something. Now, if you do know, if you have data analytics, if you have something like that, that gives you a leg up in certain types of, for certain types of jobs. 
So I think there are cases where specialties can help, but it's certainly not a disqualifier if people have a, a broader, more generalist degree. Awesome. Now, what did you mean by demonstrated ability? Demonstrated ability for what? Yeah. Yeah. So for instance, if you have a, you know, if you say I'm a Russian studies major, but I had a blog that I started and I did this while I was undergrad. And I, so, so you have a demonstrated ability to, in that case, to develop a blog and, and show that you know how to develop some content. You could say, and so I helped, I did this thing where I evaluated the following things. I took the following courses where I could learn some things about data science, about programming. I programmed this website of my own. You know, there, there are a lot of ways you can demonstrate a variety of abilities and interests because both are important, that can lead an employer to say, okay, I want to know more about that, even though that's not your major, because you're much more than your major in college. But if you have, if you are a, you know, a, a Chinese studies major, and you don't have any experience in sales, and you don't have any experience in developing content, you haven't done it, you know, then what does an employer have to go on? And they say, I don't, I don't really know why I would hire you, you know? So the question is, can you demonstrate some ability and some experience that's relevant to digital media? Fantastic. What about a grad school degree? Is it not necessarily essential, certainly for entry-level job applicants, Mm -hmm. but is it something that you think is useful for someone to have at some point in their career in order to maybe catapult them into the C-suite the way that you are? And if so, Steve, what are the most useful ones to get? Yeah, so I'm I'm a I'm a fan of it. You know, it depends. I think if you get in an entry level, you don't need an advanced degree. So, and the more time you spend at a job, the less you need it. So, you know, if you've spent ten years learning on the job, you don't need an MBA. I'm a fan of an MBA. Broad, I have one. I thought it was very useful. I had started my own business after college. And I did that with no real knowledge. I've been a philosophy major. So I found business school extremely helpful. And that helped me get a foundation in business that's really helpful. However, if you've been a consultant, if you've been at some management consulting firms, they teach you a lot about business. It becomes less necessary to get a business degree. There are data science degree. You mentioned someone like that. There are different types of computer science degrees. Those are very helpful also if, if that's your area of interest. So I think that for entry level, it's not important. But if you want to advance farther... You either have to demonstrate a lot of capacity to do things within a functional area that then you can sort of grow over time. And they don't need it. You don't need the advanced degree. Or if you want to step back and you say, no, I really want to delve into some particular area and become a real expert in this area, then that's a good, like, for instance, computer science or analytics, you might want to go into that area. Or if you say, I want to become a manager and get a little more general skills, I think it makes sense to get an MBA. None of that's necessary, but I think there are a lot of different ways to get to, to develop a career. It just, you know, it really depends on a lot of different circumstances. There's no, no right answer. Great advice. And I think that's all the more reason for our young listeners to, after they graduate, go into the working world, do stuff, whatever it is, do it, try it out. And you're, if you get interested in the industry that you're in right there, you may decide, gosh, I can just get on the job experience. Or if you want to pivot into another industry that requires additional skills that you're lacking, maybe then consider something like an advanced degree. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of sort of bouncing off the world a little bit. You know, like you just don't want to dive into your own world and say, I'm going to go to do the following things and come out fully baked, ready to go. You, you know, got to have experiences and you test out what do you need to know? What do you not know that you wish you did? What jobs do you really like? What jobs do you not like? All of that informs your decisions going forward. Okay. What about life experiences, Steve? What in your experience, and I'm going to give a little teaser here as a former fuller brush salesman, do yeah. you think, and bar bartender, are yeah. most useful for someone who's starting out on the business side of and management side of digital media? Yeah, those are two good ones, you know, uh, bartender and fuller brush salesman. I, I, I leave fuller brush salesman on my resume to this day because I think it shows a little bit of what I was talking about, a willingness to do the job and get it done. Most people don't even listen, don't even know what that is. But it was, I used to, I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area and I'd go around and, you know, go to door to door to businesses and sell things to people like, like, you know, to the secretaries working and I'd sell them hairbrushes and, and different things like this. And it was not a glamorous job, but it was, it taught you about getting up and going to work and just what I did to make money. So I think that to use that as an example, one of the things I like to see is people overcoming adversity or, or just doing some hard work. It wasn't necessarily glamorous, you know, like people say, oh, I, I worked for the, the CEO. There's a, a job my, my father helped me get that I worked for. You know, maybe it's a great company. Maybe it's a great title, assistant to the CEO. But are you really doing hard work? Are you learning through hard work? So I think a life experience can be anything where you've had to work hard or overcome adversity personally. When you see sometimes there's a story someone has that, that's, you know, that you can take sort of uh, lemons and make lemonade where you, you say, boy, this is a really tough situation you face. But the fact that you overcame that is an incredibly powerful part about your story. It's always important to look and say, does this person, have they had academic success, which tells you something about a person? Then have they had life success? Have they been exposed to things? Have they gotten out in the world? There's a great saying, so Goethe said that, um, you know, that talent is developed in solitude and character in life's stream. And I think that's, I like that phrase because people be very talented, have very good GPAs. That's very important. But what about character? What about, what have they learned about themselves? What have they overcome? Those are, I think those are really important questions. I love that. And especially because I think the fuller brush experience, the bartending experience, I've interviewed other guests who've worked at McDonald's or other fast food chains and have that on their resume, it is far from something to be embarrassed about. This <laughs> tells future employers a lot about you. If you yeah. can get by on minimum wage or you've had to gut it out, you know, God help you working in one of those very intense yet poorly paid roles and had doors slammed in your face and rude customers and screaming yeah. kids and all that stuff, you have a certain element of poise, of grit, of determination. These are all super valuable soft skills that employers are looking for. Yeah. And also, if you're looking at, if there's a tendency, if you look at very talented people or people with high GPAs or test scores, then you're also you're, you're on the lookout for arrogance. And if people are willing to do jobs like that, it also shows that maybe they've had some of that arrogance tamped, that potential arrogance tamped down, which yeah. is helpful. Great point. So what was 
the best part for you, Steve, of being in a company like the Washington Post, which evolved over the years, went from being a legacy news organization that was just print into the digital realm? Yeah, so much to like there. I mean, I think that one of the things I advise people about a lot is pay attention to the culture of a place. What's valued? Why, why do people get promoted? What are the people at the top like? And the Post had that in spades. I mean, the people, the leadership, the character of the leaders was so outstanding that, you know, they, they valued work-life balance. They, they wanted people to have healthy, happy families. They treated people well. Fairness was a key issue. So those things were really, really important. You know, I think that was that was a great part of what made the post the post. And then so much falls from that. Because then it's the kind of people you attract and, and then it's retention of people over the long term. I mean, you have people that are retained over the long term. It allows the company to take a long term view and you take a long term view of your career. And you could say, let me do this, even though it's not going to be popular, it's going to be the right thing in the long term. You don't have to worry about just impressing a boss for six months who's going to be fired and a new boss comes in and new management. You know, you take the long term approach. And that was really impressive, too. So. You know, I think there was a lot there. And plus, it was a constantly changing environment. Part of the reason I chose media, everything changes so rapidly. Complicated business has two sets of customers. as the consumer who pays you and the advertiser who actually paid most of the freight um, for the business. So you're trying to balance these two business models. And I thought it was just a really complicated, interesting, fast-paced environment that attracted a lot of smart and, and from my mind, high-character people. Love it. Well, I also worked in the media for a broadcast outlet for CNN and on a very different side from you. But I can also attest to how interesting, intellectually interesting. And it's also mission driven. You feel good that your job is to educate the public and to help the public understand what's happening in their country, in their neighborhood and in the world. Yeah, the mission mission of the post. I mean, I was a kid and they, they let us in school watch the Watergate hearings. And I just that's why I thought, boy, the Washington Post is they're speaking truth to power and taking on the most powerful interests in service of democracy. That was pretty cool. That's why I called up the post. You know, that's why I went to, to work for them. Oh, that's so interesting. I was going to ask you about that in the meantime for coffee episode. Uh-huh. By the way, check out show notes to see if Steve's main time for coffee episode If his interview has already dropped, that's where we get into what he actually did as the president GM of the Washington Post and how he built his amazing career. So, Steve, the flip side, back when you were the president GM at the Post, what was the part of that job that sucked the most? (laughs) You know, I I, honestly, this sounds Pollyanna, but I really love my job. And I remember my wife would always say to me, she says, she said, boy, you know, you are one of the few people I know who just really loves their job. And so that was pretty much true. And I wouldn't mean I wouldn't get angry and frustrated, but there wasn't anything that was sort of habitually bothered me. It was something new and different, you know, constant irritations. And I think the one thing that's just hard about a job like I had is that someone once told me that the most complicated problems rise to the top of an organization. And that's true. So every day people come in with, here's a really difficult problem. They go like, oh my God, can I have some easy problems? You know, there were a lot of really challenging things. And that was, that was difficult. And then there's always the personnel things that that sucks. I mean, when somebody, you know, when you see good people and making mistakes and people doing things they shouldn't do and 
dealing with that stuff is just hard. And that comes with the territory. You got to make really tough calls when people don't do the right stuff. And But it's sometimes hard when you see good people making mistakes and that really hurt their careers. That, that's just, that's tough to deal with. Absolutely. What's the best career advice you've ever gotten, Steve? Oh, yeah, I've gotten a lot of good career advice. I think one piece of advice was just very simple, which was treat everybody well on your journey. And I think that's really good advice. And the, the further what this guy said, it was a, a marketing professor at business school. He said, one reason, one reason for doing this is just because it's a good way to live your life. And that's just the way we should be. That's probably sufficient. But another is that at every time in our careers, people slip. And I can say from watching careers, people make slips. Everybody has slip ups in their careers. And when you do, this guy said, you can have one of two reactions. Either people will be there with a helping hand to help you out, or they'll be there with knives to plunge them into your back. And so you can see the people who really haven't treated people. They've been so interested in managing their own careers and sort of selfish around their careers. You can just see sometimes when people do slip up and no one's there to help them. And other times when people who've been more generous and nicer and more sort of open and kind, the whole organization reaches out to help people and they slip. So I think that was good advice. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Okay, fun question. What movies, if any, or Netflix, Amazon, Hulu streaming shows or books do you think accurately depict your profession? Yeah, I think the spotlight. So Marty Baron is, a, you know, we hired Marty at the Post. As he's the guy who made the movie Spotlight about who was a Boston Globe editor. I think he's the best editor on the planet. He's still the editor of the Post now. And he and I stay in touch. He's just a phenomenal guy. And Spotlight was the movie made about him and where Leah Shriver plays him, which I always laugh and tell Marty, you know, that is that's fake news right there. But, <laughs> but, but you know, that's phenomenal. And it's probably the best movie about investigative journalism I've ever seen. Now, it's more old school. It's not digital, but that's the essence of the media. The Post, the movie by Spielberg about The Washington Post, I'm obviously fond of. I thought that was really accurate. And then, of course, uh, All the President's Men is the classic. Those are really accurate movies about the internal workings of a newspaper. In terms of digital media, you know, it's funny, digital media, there isn't, aren't really a lot of movies or books because how do you really show what goes on in digital media? But I think that those are my favorite movies in terms of showing what the media is really all about. Excellent. We'll include links to all of those movies in our show notes. Final espresso shot. What would Java junkies be surprised to learn about your industry, Steve? Probably they'd be surprised to know that to this day, funny, I don't know the specifics now, but the majority of profits for the New York Times, for the Washington Post, still come from the print newspaper. So there's, there's a, even though it doesn't necessarily look like that on paper, you know, New York Times will say we'll get much more profits from digital. Everyone's trying to position themselves as digital media, which they are. But the print is still a vastly important part of the profit structure of major newspapers, just as in broadcast television, they all have digital arms, but you know, broadcast is still a critical part of the profits for them. So I think that's probably something people would be surprised by. Yeah, like me. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Steve's company is called Hillscape Consulting, which specializes in helping firms and senior executives increase effectiveness 
while creating work-life balance. If you want to learn more about what Steve did at the Post as the president and the general manager and how he built his career, please check out show notes for this episode to see if Steve's main time for coffee interview has already dropped. Steve, thank you so much for making time for coffee today with me and the T4C community. This was wonderful. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much for listening to this latest episode of T4C. And if you're interested in learning more about my coaching services for confused college students and recent grads, feel free to check out the Time for Coffee website under the coaching tab at time, the number four, coffee.org or text me at 202-236-5712. That's 202-236-5712. Thank you.